This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hello and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah, in the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Western Wall. Today we're talking about the vulnerability and the and the magic and uh, you know, kind of the the joy in, of life and it's it's uh, it's. Living an amazing life that you're actually inspired about and connected to requires vulnerability. If you want to live in that magic, you've got to be vulnerable. And you'll see that, 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 it, that it's true, I mean, as we go. But, but let me just start with this. This is something I've shared in the past. But let's just say that this is the area of, that is the edge of, Things. That's the edge. Meaning, this is as far as your car can grip going around turns. Okay, that's the edge of it. And um, and this is the edge of how far you can lean a surfboard coming into a big turn. And you know, you lean it a little further, and it's gone, and you're in the soup. You know, let's say this is the edge of the grip of your mountain bike tires coming down a mountain. That's the edge. This is the edge of how much you alcohol you can drink before you make a total fool out of yourself publicly. Okay? This is the edge of how much you can invest without and lose that money without going completely under. You know, there's edges everywhere. This is the edge of the area where you live that's safe and you go beyond that and you're in you could be in trouble. There's edges all over the place. This is the edge of when it's when it's safe to uh, be out at night or whatever, you know, like it's safer at 7 p.m. compared to 11 p.m., you know, and, and 11 p.m. safer than 3 a.m., you know, so there, that's the edge. Okay, and now I'm going to draw a picture of you. Sorry if you wear skirts, but the, uh, that's you right in the middle, okay? I mean, I could give it a skirt, okay? So that's you, and, um, Higher, so anyway, so that's that's you, and this is the edge. Except what happens is, well, I've noticed most people don't go near the edge. In fact, my my son was telling me how once we drove down to a lot together, and I have a nine seater French car called Citroen. It's called the Citroen Jumpy, and it's kind of high off the ground, and it's I mean it's really fast, but it's it's just not really a winning car. <laughs> But there were several other cars in the rally, um, which you kind of wind up in a rally when you drive four hours on a really boring highway. So, you know, you wind up, it's a bit of a car rally. And every time we wound up on the straight areas, so this BMW, like M5, whatever, would just go like, like go almost out of sight. And then when it started hitting turns and stuff, so we would go flying by them. Now, his car is built both for straightaways and turns. My car is built for straightaways, not turns. But I would beat him every time on the turns. I would always pass the guy around the, you know, the, there's a couple kilometers worth of turns. And, and I'd go flying around him. And he would only pass us like a couple minutes later once we got to the next straightaway. And then it would go straight through. And so what had happened with him is he thought the edge, I'm just going to go back to the unisex version. He thought that the edge of his t- car's ability around turns was there. 
clearly because you see he takes his foot off the gas pedal once he hits the turn. So that's the edge. Now, um, now someone who lives in a very safe community, even at 3 a.m., there's, believe it or not, there are places that at 3 a.m., just like nothing goes wrong at 11 a.m., nothing ever goes wrong at 3 a.m. There's places like that, and one of them is my neighborhood in Jerusalem. Like, nothing ever goes wrong. You don't have to lock your door. You know, like, there's, there's been, the amount of break-ins in the 28 years that I live in my neighborhood is zero. <laughs> zero. And that includes the number of attempted break-ins is also at zero. Okay? The whole thing is just zero. I mean, you might as well just take your door off the hinges, you know, like, except for winter, you know. Like, there's just no crime. So, so the, um, anyway, so, so what, but what happens is I won't, I mean, call me crazy, but I won't let my daughters walk home from the bus stop after 10. For some reason before 10, no problem. You know, 9.30, come on home. 10, I want a phone call. I'm going to walk out to the bus stop and I'm going to walk them home. Now, what is wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? And the answer is, yes, there's something wrong with me. Is that I don't go near the edge when it comes to my daughters. And so, so I put the edge here. And, and if they were walking home for whatever reason, like they're, they're already off the bus. And I get the phone call and I'm in the bathroom. So to me, it's safer to be walking home than sitting around bus stops in the middle of the night. So I'd rather she walks home. Except how am I going to be feeling until she walks through the door. How am I going to feel until she walks through the door? Nervous. Yeah, a little anxious. I'm waiting for her to get home, and I want her to get home, and I'm probably going to go to the bathroom as quickly as possible and go meet her halfway. So I'll be anxious. How's that guy going to feel in the BMW? Built for turns, man. That guy, oh my gosh. I'm in my Citroen Jumpy nine-seater family car passing this, you know, 200,000 shekel race car around the turns. How's he going to feel outside where he feels his car can go? How's he going to feel? Vulnerable. Very vulnerable. And uh, let's just say, uh, raise your hand if you feel, uh, of the men here, raise your hand if you feel like a little nervous about, about supporting a family one day. Like, meaning with, with not just what you need. Of course, you wouldn't get what you need. But, but like you actually wanted a little wealth. But you're nervous about that, getting that wealth. <laughs> If someone else is nodding, but it must be something wrong with his hand. So I said, raise your hand. But you get that feeling sometimes? Okay, it's it's very normal. That's very normal that we have that. I mean, that's totally normal. It doesn't make much sense, but, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but it's normal. And so what will happen is um, in order to make, in order to provide your family their needs, you can do that well within the circle. But if you want to go into the levels of like affording, you know, cruises in, you know, cruises in Cabo San Lucas, you know, and like, don't ask, don't ask. <laughs> but if, if you're, if you're planning on the extra stuff, you know, it ain't going to come. Why? Because it only comes to people who go to the edge. You understand? It comes to people who go to the edge. Now tell me, when you go outside your, your, uh, we'll call it the ring of fire, you know, that it's the ring of, of, you know, that's where your fears come and the anxiety hits. When you go outside the ring of fire, 
Um, how are you doing? Like, how's your well-being outside there once you go out there? Well, we mentioned already, well, there's anxiety and a lot of fear comes up and all kinds of ideas of what might be there, what lurks in the darkness. And, and so you'll find yourself risk, of, risk aversion. You'll be not wanting to risk much and, and you'll just be kind of holding your breath till you get back in the safe spot. Like you just want to get back to the safe spot and be less vulnerable to things. Now that, that is the, this is just the nature of most people and, and this is what separates the highly successful or, or the people who are really living life than, than people who are playing it safe and, and not really living life to its fullest, but rather watching that on YouTube, you know. Like, who needs to live life to their fullest these days anyway when you've got YouTube? Or, or you got a lot of uh, people who would rather play it on a screen, you know, with a virtual, uh, what do you call a virtual, virtual self? It's called a avatar. They'd rather have an avatar online and take all their risks there. You know, they'll take their risks online, not, not in real life. Now, um, and again, real success will be people who navigate to the edge of things. Everything needs to be navigated to. And, and, and now you don't have to do with everything. Like, like I'm, you see, I don't do it with my daughters. Like, I'm really careful with my daughters. And, and, so, and so navigating, you want to navigate. You don't have to navigate everything. I, I don't even know why I would navigate it with my daughters. I don't mind going out to get them. And, uh, but, but you do want to navigate towards the edge. So my, my son was mentioning this because today we were driving uh, back from mountain biking in my Citroen Jumpy. And, and I decided to take a road that, that's off-road in the car. I Meaning we had off-roaded on the bikes, but there was a way back that I thought I could maybe get quicker through a, you know, a four-wheel drive road. My car is not a four-wheel drive truck. It's a nine-seater minivan. And what they had done to keep from the erosion is they created these big humps that caused water to go down. And, you know, big water bottles, but big humps. So, so I said to my son, you know, could I go any faster without starting to get air off those bumps? He's like, even a half kilometer faster, we'd be flying off of those bumps. And I said, do you think when you get your license, you're going to drive like your father? And he said, definitely. And, and I said, why? And he said, because I've never really driven with anyone else. I mean, this is, this is what driving is. You know? And that's when we started talking about the edge. And I said, well, the reason I do it is because the car was designed to, you know, to be able to comply. It's com- it would comply to a certain edge. And so I keep it at the edge, and when I drive my, ride my mountain bike down stuff, today we're doing downhill mountain biking, which is like insane, you know, like you're, when you get to the bottom, your fingers are permanently on the brakes. <laughs> How are you? You know, you can't move your hands from like, you know, you're just like flying down these things. And, uh, but we, we go to the edge of our equipment's ability, to the edge, and Now, I want to bring up God here for a moment. Who made the edge? <laughs> I kind of gave it away. 
Who made the edge? God made the edge. God made the edge. I mean, these are rules of reality, whether they're in business, whether they're in relationships, whether they're in in driving, biking, and uh, late night stuff. Like, God made the edge. What are you going to say to God if you stayed within the ring of fire? If you kept yourself invulnerable to, to life? What are you going to say to God? And can you imagine if you, if you actually lived in reality? Because all of this is obviously re- reality and safe, and safe reality. And it's how you succeed in business. You've got to push out to the edge a bit. And so can you imagine if, if you lived in reality? Sorry. Can you imagine if God showed you a full surround sound and sight 3D Omnimax, you know, like... Full on, full immersion film of every little possibility of what would have happened in your life had you lived in reality. We're calling this box reality. That's what's possible without getting hurt. No one's getting hurt in this box. Outside the box, that's where you get hurt. You know, that's where you go broke. You know, so so. But what if God showed you what life looked like if you had? If you had, like, really lived within reality all these years. What if God showed you that? And obviously it would be very complex because just like, you know, you make one choice in this world, it can change your entire trip. You know, just little things cause big things over time. You know, like, this is a very small angle, but over time it's, it's a giant distance between this and that. You know, if you keep going with it, so... I mean, so it would have to be a highly complex film, but can you imagine watching the film of reality, of what life would have looked like had you been in reality instead of your own fears? It'd be a scary thing to face. And then even without dying and having to face that, isn't it, doesn't it feel a little like we're disappointing him? I feel like I'm disappointing him if I'm not on the edge. Like, for example, I, I just don't drink lager. I don't drink lager because there's craft beer available. And it may talk, cost three times more. It usually does. I'd rather not have beer than, you know, if I don't have enough for, a, for an IPA or a stout or some special brew. I'd rather not have any because I don't want to answer for the, you know, I don't want to answer for Coors Light, you know, or Coors Light. Monty Python said it's very close to water. (laughs) Anyway, the, um, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, God created reality and, and we've got, you know, like, you have to have the nicest stereo. That you can afford, obviously, but it's worth saving up for. Just so, you, so God's not like, what kind of stereo is that? <laughs> that's no stereo. You know, it was 2019, and that's the stereo you got? <laughs> yeah, that's the headphones you chose? 
you know, better not buy headphones and wait a few months till you have a little more money and buy the headphones that are up to snuff of the technology available in headphones so that you're not some in some limited place. But today's class, believe it or not, is not about any of this. <laughs> today's class is is the recognition that the vulnerability that comes with pushing outside that circle is where the magic is. That's where life starts. That's where things get exciting. That's where you're, you get, that's where motivation comes. That's where um, you start to feel inspired and, and you're, you gotta be on your toes. Um, they've already proven in brain science that till you get here, till you get outside that circle, there are parts of your brain in the actual string of genetics, like your actual double helix chromosomes that don't yet come into um, existence till you're there. There's something about... Shalom, would you like to learn with us? No, they're not coming in. She's showing her the building. Yeah, for an event. So, meaning there's actual... People who live in here will have not even been fully born yet. <laughs> because, I mean, think about it. When you're born, like, first of all, an embryo has barely formed, and then it forms more and forms more, and then you're born, and then it forms more and forms more. And we've been forming, and so they've already proven that there's parts of your actual DNA that only get unlocked when you're faced with the unknown and vulnerability. It only gets unlocked there. And then it does its job. Like once you're there, then it starts doing things and, and it creates structures that now are yours. And you're, and obviously take away the vulnerability because now you have a structure to deal with that. But there's, we actually will be, we'll, we could actually return our bodies not having fully been born because of this, this thing. And there, there's something magical about it. But I, I'd like to, because I, I discuss order and chaos a lot, but which one would you call chaos and which one would you call order? What would this inner part be? Order, because, because this, this is what, this is the order. And we'll use this head for it. Okay. Order. So, the the um, everything that's in that circle is is where I feel life makes sense and I'm safe and I'm, things are good in there. That's order, and and be, for whatever reason, this whole area that's just as safe. And there's, I, it's important you realize that this area is just as safe as that. We, I was clear with that. Everyone, was I clear? There's nothing less safe going on out here. Where does it start being not safe? Yeah, that's where it starts getting not safe. Here is totally safe. I mean, like 100% safe. Like in my neighborhood, you can sleep on the street. Like you can take your bed out of your house and just lay down on the street wearing like jewelry. (laughs) And no one's going to mess with you the whole night, you know. So anyway... 
So this outer area, this whole area out here, is basically chaos. Yeah. In our minds and hearts. You know, it's all the it's all the unknowns, you know. And Before I go on, I, I just want to mention that you go there all the time. I mean, you do like it. Like, for example, uh, um, meaning in your own little safe way, you like chaos. Um, for example, uh, do you ever da- go dancing? You ever dance? Yeah? That's not a very ordered way to be having, moving your body. You understand? You like to actually... Can you imagine someone walked up to you while you're dancing and said, uh, what's your first name? Hope. Can you imagine a friend of yours walk up to you who doesn't dance and never saw you dance? And they're like, Hope, what is wrong with your body? And and you're just like... (laughs) And you're like, I'm dancing, you know. And and she's like, well, stop. (laughs) And you're like, no. And she's like, why not? And you're like, because it feels good. I like it. You know, I, I love dancing. You understand? Like, like you go chaos sometimes with that body of yours. And uh, uh, give you another example. Um, this lady, you married by any chance? You ever been? Yeah. Um, did you notice in your married days that that sometimes you would sabotage the relationship, and sometimes he would? <laughs> what? She's gonna cry. Really? Wow. Anyway, I'll help you. When you were married to your great husband, sometimes you would sabotage things and like make him like kind of have to beg for for love and whatever because of whatever he came home late or whatever he did. You know, he he. It's part of the job of a man is to do stupid things once in a while, (laughs) like totally forget to call and wind up in the town next door by accident and. Say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, why didn't you call? You know, whatever. But the we create chaos. We create chaos. There's something about us that creates. We'll create chaos in what could have been total order. Um, anyone here ever done business? Anyone here ever been in a business? Owned a business? Worked in a business? Anyone here been responsible for a business? Nobody. You've been. Yeah. Okay. Great. And did you ever get to a point where the business was running well? And did you take another risk to build it bigger? Yeah, you did. And then did you sleep as well as the night before once you... No, you didn't sleep well. And why did you electively create that chaos in your life? So that's what I want to say is is that we all go there. We all go there. We're all willing to take a risk. And... And we like that. Now, we do it on our terms. You know, we do it on our terms. And, and we, uh, you know, we're, we take the risks in calculated ways. And we sabotage, like, when husbands sabotage the closeness. Women do it too, by the way. When, when, when spouses sabotage their closeness, it's calculated. They're not doing something so stupid that, like, the whole thing is going to fall apart. They do it in a way that it's going to shake the ground a bit. 
and, and often make them closer afterwards. They'll often be closer as a result, and maybe that was deep down their dream, was, was that I'd like to be closer, and maybe if I get you angry enough, that I'll wake up to the fact that I'm, I'm not as close as I could be, and so maybe I'll get you upset, and you'll say to me, hey, you know, you were inconsiderate, and, and then I'll say, wow, I'm in the doghouse now for being inconsiderate, <laughs> and causing a little bit of introspection about, about myself and my relationship to my wife, and, and so maybe it's going to get me closer as a result, so, so maybe that is an unconscious closeness we're looking for, but we don't like too much order. We don't like too much order. You see people sabotage all the time. All the time. People are sabotaging their order. Kids with school. Like, like those of us who raised kids in school. You know, like, you've got a schedule. Keep it. You know, but there's your kid, you know, at the house two hours after they left for school. And you're like, what are you doing home? And they're like, well, it's a long story. And it's like... Your job's to be in school every day. Okay? Like, you don't do stuff that makes them send you home. You know? and, but they just they, they can't take the monotony of the order. It's too much order. So we like chaos. We just like it. And we're, we're kind of addicted to it. And, um, and we like... And now let's bring the edge up. We like running up to the edge of things a lot in certain aspects. We like to run up to the edge. So, um, just uh, my two favorite sports are very edgy sports. So, here, when I'm mountain biking, so I'm coming down a trail, and it's steep. and But it's a trail, meaning it's where the tires should go. Now there's the sides, which are like boulders and, and cliffs and all kinds of stuff, where the tires should not go. And for some reason, I, I'm, you know, it's a little immature, but I'm fascinated with this work of keeping it on the trail, <laughs> which is like, I guess it's about as dumb as getting a basketball through a hoop, which is like, not that exciting. But, you know, the ball does fit. It fits through that hoop. So, like, I don't know why everyone has to gather themselves all around this sport to watch, you know, basically illiterate people run up and down the court trying to prevent each other from putting the ball in the hoop. Why don't you just let the guy put the ball in the hoop? Like, what's the big deal? So, let him do it. And the... Anyway, but I'm kind of busy doing the same thing, really, when I'm focusing down the trail. And if I... And as I micro-adjust the brakes and my weight and keep my center of gravity as low as possible, I'm, I'm on the edge of order. Like, I'm keeping total order here. And I'm right on the edge of chaos. Because if I lose my grip, and, you, and, and unless I'm reading the, reading the ground, because ground looks different when it's looser, and it looks different when it's tighter. And so if you pull that back brake a little too tight, uh, when it's starting to look looser, your back tire is going to start fishtailing, and you've lost control of the situation. So that's like, oh, I saw... I saw two feet of looser ground, which you can't see as loose. It's just got a different tint in the light of that time of day. I need to release my back brake just a 
hair's breadth to make sure I'm not going to slide on that stuff and make sure the tire is going to grip in. And then the second I'm on the other side of that, I got to pull a lot more of it because I just took, I started going too fast for the, to keep in control of the, of that trail. So you understand it's a total ride between chaos on the sides and order down the middle. But in surfing, the best example in surfing of order and chaos is when you're inside the tube of a wave and you're micro adjusting your um, body position, both to the size of the tube, because that, that does undulate big and small, and but also you're you know, you're, you're just because the wave's not just going sideways; it's kind of going forward towards the beach at the same time. So you're 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 going sideways, but you're also allowing for some lateral movement all at the same time. And and you have to have that orderly, because if you don't, if you lose the order in that chaos, and you get picked off by the lip of the wave, you're going in the full washing machine mode. I mean, you're, you're, you're having a, you're having a, you know, a 400 pound enema, enema, you know, in, of seawater in every orifice. And you're going to be totally disoriented. You're not even going to know which way's up by the time that wave lets you go. You you literally have to look at the bubbles to see which way they're going. You're so disoriented. And if the waves are really big, you could be 20, 30 feet under the water after you've been pummeled to smithereens. Which means you have to ragdoll your body the whole time because if you use any energy, you could not have enough energy to float to the top afterwards. So you have to ragdoll the whole body and let the whitewater washing machine just do its thing till it lets you go. And so here you are in perfect order with total chaos all around you. And, and this is where life is the most magical. And it's a highly vulnerable place. There are a lot of people who don't go anywhere near it in life. And those are generally the people who don't seem very inspired. And then there are others, like myself, who were raised to always stay on the edge. Always be on the edge. And you can be so inspired that people actually even want to hear what you have to say. Which is somewhat strange to me. I'm very disappointed that people come to my class, personally. Um, Because that means there's still something I have to give. To people, and I was hoping by the time this point in my career that anything I would say would be redundant, because the whole I have such optimism for the world that I keep thinking everyone's going to be exactly where I'm at, and now I'll be going to someone who's going to take me somewhere else, which I do anyway. But but we're all here to to bump up our game, I guess, and I'm still helping people bump up theirs.
this area of vulnerability is for young kids smaller or bigger the the feeling the vulnerable stuff meaning uh, where the kid where if you had a three year old would you want this circle big or that you want the circle small small well it's an interesting question I think I'd want it small but I think whether you want it or don't want it it's going to be small anyway because the kid has no ability to order life in a way an adult would order life and and so it, it by force is small one saying let me just about that it's by force small because the kid just can't handle himself beyond you know like 20 feet from his mother or father because they just they're already out of their depth they're in a total you know they're in the unknown zone everything's unknown They're never bored. They're never bored. They have no fear. It's one of the dangers of toddlers. They're not afraid of anything because they're just their minds aren't developed enough to understand the edge. They're always the happiest person. I've asked hundreds of people who the happiest person in their house is, it always boils down to the two-year-old. They're by far the happiest. They're the most self-expressed. I mean, how would you feel in your life if you were fully self-expressed? Well, you were one day when you were about two. I mean, they, they really got it all. So, so now let's bring these equations together here. We've got a little toddler doesn't know nothing about nothing. He's extremely, or she is extremely vulnerable. Like, nothing's more vulnerable than a toddler. He's more vulnerable than an infant. An infant's, you know, the parents have got it. Toddlers, they're on their own wheels, man. They're, they're moving around, those kids. They're extremely vulnerable. And yet they outdo us in every category that we would call worth having. They love deeper, more incre- more open with their love, more expressive. They hug more with their whole being. They're not afraid of failure. They'll do something over and over and over and over until they get it right. They do not quit. There's not, it's not like they quit later than us. They don't quit till they get it, you know. And it doesn't seem to bother them. There's no, they don't even self-reflect on the fact that it didn't work. They'll just keep going. They're the most vulnerable people, and yet they're the living in the biggest magic because they can't help but be outside the circle everywhere they go. No matter where they go, they're outside that circle. And also, who, who, who has the most energy? Who has the most energy? Okay, you ever seen uh, the way a toddler moves around? From when they wake up till they, I'd say, go to sleep, or I should really say till they pass out. You know, we've had several times in our house where like, you know, where's, where's, you know, where's Moishi? And we're like, I don't know, I haven't seen him. We searched the whole house, we haven't seen him, we haven't seen him. It's been already two hours. We go into the bathroom, and there's a little toddler on the toilet. 
He passed out. Just from all the energy he puts out all day. Can you imagine if you tried that? How long? Do you think you could go an hour moving your body the way a toddler moves his body in an hour? You could go in a whole hour? And they're going to do that all day. They're not going to stop moving. They have no concept of where the edge is on exha- human exhaustion. And probably half our exhaustion comes from preconceived notions of exhaustion. They don't get hot on hot days. <laughs> you have to like give them water. They won't take it on their own. They don't get hungry ever. Toddlers never get hungry. I mean, that's the whole challenge is trying to get food into their gullet. You know, and like, and you're like, kid, <laughs> it's now 7 p.m. You last ate at noon and you've done nothing but expend energy the entire afternoon. One bite. No. <laughs> not one bite. <laughs> they just, they're not hungry. And they're, and literally their whole world is, I mean, that circles almost around their body. It's like everything, everything around them. Everything around them is just vulnerability. Instead of it being out there, it's like here. Little gingerbread man here. It's right, that's the edge for them. And they beat us in every category of life that we all want as adults. I mean, what do adults want? You want to feel alive. You want love and closeness, right? You want to connect to people and feel love. And they beat us on that every time. And, and they don't sabotage it also. And, they, um, and you, want to, you want to be expressed, right? You want to express yourself. And, and you'd like to have health and vitality and have the energy of this little energizer bunny. And, and you also as we know today, is you want to live in the moment. You don't want to be full of anxiety over what could be and based on everything that was and now I kind of know what could be because of everything that's happened to me in the past. And You know, so you're everywhere but here. Where are toddlers? Right here. And full of vulnerability. And so there, it's a nice case study for us to know that, to know that more vulnerability is better. Too much chaos is bad. Sorry, more vulnerability and chaos is better. Too much order is simply bad for us. And it's really bad for us. And you know why it's really bad for us? Because it's also bad for our health. I mean, I already spoke many ways it's bad for us regarding God. Bad for us regarding our own emotional well-being. But having this be scary out here is, is bad for our actual bodies. Did you know that fear creates chemicals in your body that, are, that cause age, early aging? You know that? Fear causes chemicals that make you age younger. I forget what it's called. Something Osin. Uh, Osin. What? How do you say it? No, I forget what it's called. What? It's a, it's the fear chemical. You, someone could Google it if they have Google out. But it's the the fear chemical. 
No, it's not evident. But, uh, but whatever it is, it's directly correlated with aging. And, uh, it, meaning it's extremely taxing on us. The reason that is, is because, think about it, when you're afraid of something, your body goes into protection mode. Protection mode takes a lot more energy than chill mode, right? When you're in chill mode, you know, you're just, you're just on the beach chair, you know, like you're in chill mode. You're, you're not really putting out any extra energies. But whereas when you're in fear mode, you know, you gotta get fortified and you, you just start tightening up around it and now you gotta start figuring things out and, you know, it's, it's a lot going on with you now. Like you're, you're way overworking this situation. And meanwhile, there's not even a situation because you're, you just st- stepped over to here. You didn't go to there. This is where situations start. That's where the situations begin. Situations start here. And so, meanwhile, I'm like needlessly aging and needlessly expending all kinds of energies that the body's built for so you can protect yourself when I'm nowhere near anything that's worth protecting because I, I didn't even get near the edge. Yeah. You don't actually know that. Know what? You don't actually know where that edge is. Sometimes you do. It depends what we're talking about. That's where you, when you go to a mentor, like you're saying, like in business, it's hard to know where the edge is. In, in everything, you just talk, talk to the experts and they know where the edge is. <laughs> go mountain biking with them. I'll show you the edge. You understand? I'll take you out surfing. Your edge is going to be very different than my edge. But I'll show you the edge because I don't want you to get hurt. Just go to someone who knows this. You go to people who have taken that risk 50 times. Never make your own mistakes in business. You You let other people make mistakes in business and you go talk to them and you learn from them and develop. Okay, everyone. um, It was a pleasure speaking to you all. Um, Those who watch this live, please click on all the appropriate clicks, whether it's subscribe, follow, share, like. Do all that clicking away, please. Shalom. Hello. Bye. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.